We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945. The baseball season is go, go, go. It's nonstop, relentless for every night, six straight months, and then hopefully another month in October. You also have work, friends, family, and a million other things going on. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. I mean, the mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. Is there anything better than opening up your refrigerator after a long day Seeing that icy cold Coors Light can or bottle in your fridge, the answer is no, there's nothing better. That's why when it's time to chill, you choose Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So that's why when you want to hit reset, reach for a beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. We are breaking down all aspects of Yankee baseball. This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show with your hosts, Andrew Rotondi and Scott Reinen. Let's go. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Bronx Pinstripe Show, episode 396. A very merry Hanukkah, a very happy Christmas, and the most important of all festivus is today as people are listening to this. Got anything to bitch about, Scott? I, I, I think out of left field is becoming like the festivus segment yeah. of our show because it's going to be... I, I was thinking about different... You know, now I'm walking through life and I, I generally walk through life as a Larry David anyway, and I just like look to shit on things and like just analyze every single possible thing. But now I got this segment in my head, so now I'm extra looking at things and like making marks to, to note what I need to bitch at and, and complain about on the next episode. And, uh, I have a notes. I have like a, a draft note in my phone where if I, if I see something or think about something, I, I put down the topic just so I don't forget about it. So I got another one this week. I, I know we're going with this one and uh, it involves Carl, uh, of course, you know, the guy, <laughs> the, the, the bane of my existence. Yes. Carl. So um, looking yeah. forward to that. We'll, one. We'll, uh, we'll talk about it at the end. 
Well, how's it going? You're, I know you're, you're on the road visiting some family. It's good, man. I'm, uh, I'm in, um, I'm in Irvington, uh, just at my sister's place. All of my family's coming here. Uh, so we're here for, you know, the extended, uh, the week really. It's just been kind of a crazy. So we're going around doing, uh, doing holiday parties with family stuff. And, um, yeah, I'll be in central Jersey for a little bit. I'm doing the, doing the tri-state tour. Essentially. That's what happens during the holidays. We go around and yeah, talk to different, different family members' houses. So, yeah. Yeah. And we're going to try we're going to try and cuz I have the week off you you're, you're going to be up here for work so we're going to try and link up later this week and hopefully have a kind of a little bit of a different episode for everyone recording in the same person which out of 396 episodes maybe we've done 10 times right well I guess Including all the game the, the game too. the game recaps but non-game recap playoff games it's it's been uh few and far between um let's start with the Cole press conference takeaways this was perfect. I saw some this was perfect. I saw headlines. Garrett Cole's first big Yankee moment. And while I am so excited for Garrett Cole and the as you said the press conference was perfect. I don't know if I'm going to go that far. Well, I mean he's he's only had this moment. So this is we, what, we it's can, his first moment and it went well. If we're so going to yes. talk about a moment that Garrett Cole has had as a New York Yankee, yes, he's one for one. It's gone well. Um I mean honestly that press conference was probably everything you could possibly think. You know, you have uh, you have like the the premier free agent up there with his beautiful wife, and they're giving him gifts, and she is they're, she is something else, they, and they are um, you know they just look like the perfect couple coming into New York with the whole obviously like the record contract. Everything he said was good. He had a nostalgia piece with the with the sign that I know we'll get into. He had. Uh, you know, talking about the gifts that were given. There was just a lot of information. He we said, never covered that. That was pretty crazy, the stuff the Yankees. A lot of personal things, a lot of personal lot touches. Of, the wine that he got, they, it was Italian vintage wines that were between eight and $900 a bottle. Yep. Apparently, the way they knew that he liked those specific wines was a, the visiting clubhouse attendant somehow knew about a trip he took with his wife to Italy. They, and the they, specific... became, they became chummy. Like when, when, when Cole was here, they became chummy and we're talking a bunch. And uh, I was talking with my cousin Dave today about this. Uh, yeah, I mean, he, he was like, how did they know? How did they know? And then he's like, oh, yeah, I had a conversation with, uh, with that dude. So, yeah, they became But would very it put friendly. it past you for the Yankees to send out spies to try and figure out what the the actual the players they actually want because that's one thing I think we learned. What do you think the visitor, Gar- what do you think the clubhouse attendant was doing? That's true. But the don't did haven't you noticed the difference between what we've all heard about everything the Yankees did in the, the run up to Cole signing versus their quote pursuit of Patrick Corbin or any other free agents in recent years. I mean it is night and day what they what they did. It's very clear. They're getting they're getting down on their knees for for Garrett Cole for well, for God's sake. Not just checkbook, but the the Italian vintage wines. It's all stops. The, it's all stops. They had their guy. They located their guy. They they identified their guy. Last year obviously it wasn't Corbin. If Corbin fell into their their lap, they would have taken Corbin and they would have given him the contract that they felt comfortable with. Right. It's very clear that they've been coveting, and they have coveted. I mean, we've known this, right? They drafted the guy. Since they tried they to trade him. for him from Pittsburgh. Um, Did they really try and trade well, for him? Whatever. There were talks. There, there was definitely interest there. And yeah. now we have a third. There's a third opportunity where there's nobody in the way. It's just about making— Cashman called him his white whale. Making the, making the offer that he cannot refuse, and that was what they did. And they buttered him up beautifully ahead of time. So if— uh, who know? Who knew that that— 
son of a bitch was holding that damn sign the whole time. I yeah. Lo- I love it. So do you buy the sign controversy? There's no sign because the sign was from 2001. Yeah, he was at the 01 World Series with the Yankee, the Yankees fan today, tomorrow, forever sign. And obviously back then it was blue and it had some pinstripes on it. But he said it was in his parents' house and it's just faded over time. And uh, some people were calling bullshit on it. I don't know when I so I was this is I was in a meeting. I'm rolling my eyes as far as they can roll. The 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 press conference was Wednesday, last Wednesday morning, I believe, right? At like 11 o'clock in the morning. Correct. I was in a meeting at work, so I was not able to watch it or listen to it live. Then I come back to my desk and the whole thing's over and I'm just scrolling through Twitter and I see the picture of the Yankees fan today. And I'm like, wow, did they really like that struck me as like, oh, did. Did Brian Cashman give that to him? Did Randy Levine give that to him? Did Hal Steinbrenner give that to him? Like show up with like a fake sign made up? I was like, ah, that's kind of cheesy if they did that. And then I found out that he brought it with him and I was all the way in on it. Yeah, that's the sign, man. First of all, if you look closely on it, you can see the faded pinstripes in the back too. It's definitely the sign. Things what if fade. he's just so it's diabolical that old. he made he made a he made it to What's look. What's he doing? Faded. Getting like what, what, yeah, like you do like, in like fourth grade, you get tea bags and you like put it all yep. over the. No. Yeah, to make the edges look old, or like if you're faking a note from your mom to like get out of uh, fifth grade, you like crinkle it because like no one's gonna put. Just, that's what's the, remember that uh, trick from Catch Me If You Can. Yeah. Leonardo DiCaprio was like fold the note, crumple it up, put it in your pocket because what was the first thing you do when you get a note? I don't know where I'm going with the this. The thing is, is First Sign of all, gate. it also faded to like a, a yellowish gold almost. Yeah. I don't know how many people would predict that that would fade to a yellowish gold. Like it doesn't, if I'm how thinking does that in my head, I'm thinking it goes, it goes to red or pink, right? A blue would fade to like a pink. What are the colors yellow. that make blue? Green, yellow, and I don't remember. Purple? <laughs> Roy G. Biv, man. There's only so many of them. I want that purple stuff. Anyway, yeah, the, the, it, he he had a, he had some good quotes. Pressure is a privilege. That's got to get you jacked up too, because there's going to be a lot of pressure on him. He's the guy. He is the guy. He's the guy. But he also he doesn't care. He loves it. He loves it. Oh, pressure is a privilege. Yes, and I think we've seen guys come to New York, obviously recently, but other big name players come to New York who have had Hall of Fame careers elsewhere. And cannot handle the pressure in New York. Randy Johnson, I know he was past 40 at the time, but he was coming off like four consecutive Cy Young seasons in Arizona. He came to New York and just could not friggin' handle it. It was a different scenario, too. I mean, I think when you see where he was in his career, where Garrett Cole was in his career, what Garrett Cole has, uh, just the, the type of makeup. Randy Johnson was kind of a lunatic, he was a crazy man. With mm-hmm. with a mullet that stood six foot ten and wiry as hell, he was just a he was a, he was a guy that was out there. He threw at birds, you know. There were there were things that were happening with him that were not right, and you know I could see how you could be a little off kilter when you're Randy Johnson. Garrett Cole is built for this. This man is built for this. He he went through this press conference beautifully, delivered every possible thing. The man even teared up talking about the sign. And be in there that he's always here. I've always been. I've here. always been here. Like, what do we? He's he's. He, this is like a Disney movie. It's e- like Scott Boris gave him a checklist of things to get into the press conference. Tear up a little bit. Bring the sign. Talk about how you can't wait for the pressure. Here's, boom, boom, boom. No, checked all the boxes. None of that matters because because he already got paid. He got there. He's landed on the top. What what I really like about this whole thing 
is that it absolutely seemed and looked and felt absolutely 1000% genuine. And when mm. that guy is up there talking about this with the sign that he was almost a little embarrassed to bring up there, I could see his wife like having like a smoky, yeah. like, I can't believe you're doing this. We've talked yeah. about this. Like I said, no, like it's not a great look for your image. You're trying to be like a bad guy or like a bad boy on the mound. Like the, the number one ace, probably not the best. He's like, you know what? Yeah. It's it, this is from the heart. This is how I feel. I know these people. I'm going to do this. And I love yeah. it because it was genuine. You could see a little misty eye. You, you could see a little thing going on with the eyes. The man, Absolutely wants to be a New York Yankee. Like, this is the scenario that we've all dreamed about. The guy who's the fan who found the Yankee cap that we talk about in free agency, but actually does want to play for the team. And and, and that was his dream. Well, what is... We, we've we've talked about this where... What is, uh, what is one thing that we as fans always appreciate in a player? And it's just own own your mistakes. Honesty. Own a few suck. Honesty. But be genuine. So this sort of, I know it's it's a little bit different, but it falls in that same bucket. Be yourself. You, you just signed $324 million contract to play for the most famous baseball team in the world. You can get teared up. You can get friggin' excited because every one of us, like you just said, sitting at home would kill to be in that exact same spot. And yeah, if we had a sign, if I ever ended up signing with the New York Yankees, I'd probably be bringing relics from my past too, talking about how I watched games with my dad, the 1996 World Series. Like that's one of the first memories I have of watching baseball. Like all that kind of corny shit. You'd be the plays. first person that ever signed and had a press conference wearing a bucket hat. <laughs> yeah, I would. It was my <laughs> grandfather, so you can't make fun of it. The uh, that kind of corny stuff when it comes to this situation, a press conference, mm -hmm. that plays. It plays, but and, and that's the thing. Like, it plays because it's real, and it's not yeah. like he was looking for something to plays. He just wanted to do this, and he wanted to show everybody that this is what he was, and and, and this is uh, this was this is not just a signing. This is yes, it's a ton of money, and yes, they offered the most. All of that, absolutely, that was a huge part of it, if not most of it. But at the same time, this was a, a dream of his that he is now fulfilling. And did you also hear about the? The thing that he got that has like a bunch of Yankees history on an iPad, but it's in like this really elaborate yeah, it was about this, interlocking it was a huge big NY thing, case. And it was the size of a home plate. And it was a massive. Yeah, it was a massive gift that they said. They, yeah, they went through all. And the, apparently, the they things. only. But no, no. So apparently, this is a very rare gift that only select few people have gotten. Okay, that's awesome. So, so maybe maybe CC Sabathia has gotten it. Maybe Mark Teixeira has like these big ticket. $150 million plus contracts, you're going to be here for the rest of your career type players. Right. Yeah, no, it's cool. They they did not stop um, short of anything. They went all in with all the little custom details, and that stuff goes a long way, I think. I think it goes a long way to, to showing a, a player that you do truly care. You're looking at the details. You're looking for the, the small things that you know, maybe other folks, maybe other teams are not looking for and identifying. And not only that, but yes, you're going to pay him the most money. So yeah, you, the money, you knock, you money knock talks. all of these things out of the park. You knock, you knock the, uh, the nostalgia part with the, with the person and then you, you pay the man and, uh, and then everything falls suit. And that's what happened. Pay the man his money. And Cashman so, got his boy. And we found out a previously unreported detail on how Cole's contract can become 10 years. If he opts out after the fifth year, the Yankees can void it. And what they do in voiding it is that locks them into a 10th year on the back end for another $36 million, which would bring the total contract to 10 years, $360 million. Yeah. 
Cole will be 34 years old at the point of the opt-out. It's a fi- that's, it's a, that's an your, opt-out at year five. five. Right? That's your five. It's an opt-out after year five. So it's very unlikely we're going to see what happened with Sabathia, where Sabathia had one after year three, and he put together three All-Star caliber World Series, you know, a World Series winner plus All-Star caliber seasons, and it was only three years, and he was still at an age where he could have some leverage. I don't see Cole having that much leverage at 34 years old on the free agent market unless we have a situation like the mid-90s again where you can sign Randy Johnson at 36 years old and he can win four straight Cy Youngs yeah, because of but, but, here's, <clears throat> but here's the thing. training. Here's the, here's the thing. When, you're, when you are uh, 34 years old, what kind of a contract are you going to get? Are you going to get a five-year deal? Are you going to get a four-year deal? Because at that point, you're looking at $36 million for four, no. uh, over four years uh, each year. And then if the Yankees were to pick it up, if everything went well, that's, you're, you're 39 years old. Like, it's, a, it's a no-brainer for, for Garrett Cole, 100%. Like, it's, a great, it's, it's an unbelievable oh. deal. So at, if he opts out, he would need to get at least a four-year $144 million contract on the open market to beat what the Yankees are already paying him. So the only way I could see him opting out is if things go awry and it's a disastrous five years for whatever reason. Oh, you mean like off the field, on the field, like everything's just bad? Everything's bad. The Yankees don't win a championship. Cole is underperforming. Fans hate him. Everything's bad. His wife is like, we need Why to get the hell the out of here. Why in the hell would he opt out of it if, it's that, if that's the case? Because you've already banked so much money that sometimes it's not worth hating your life. It's $150 million. It might not be worth hating it's his life. It's $150 million. You're not opt- if things are going badly... So then what is the, the point whole, of the opt-out? That's the point. What is the point? The point of it is that the player has an opportunity to capitalize on his success. Well, if, then if he more. should have asked for it after year three or four. Maybe he did, and he didn't get it. Maybe but he did, but it's a also player 30, opt out at thirty four years dollars. old. Nobody's giving those contracts out. Uh, an opt out at thirty four years old does not give the player much leverage. So if it was at thirty two, I could see that being a lot of leverage because that's what Steven Strasburg w- just was going into his thirty two year old season, and he got what leverage? You, what, I don't know what leverage you're looking for. What's he leveraging for? What? Nothing. More with, money. Nothing more with, years. Nothing with the Yankees. Uh, yeah, it's leverage. CC Sabathia had leverage with the Yankees. He strong armed them into giving him another year on his contract. No, you're saying so. You're saying the leverage is gone at the five years, and that's yeah. Yes. Okay, I agree with that. Yes, I misunderstood what you said. I, I got you, but no, that's true because at three years now you have a little bit more because there's actually a real opportunity that you may leave. Five years, right. probably not happening. It's slim. You're in. In fact, say the Yankees get five really good seasons out of Cole and they win one or two World Series. I bet there's a lot of people inside the Yankees who would be like, I hope he opts out and we get out of these last four years and then this contract's going to look friggin' beautiful. Unless he's still really good and they just keep yeah, it going. But. So he shows up clean-shaven with the, uh, the, the trimmed haircut, and I put out a Twitter poll on Yankees podcast asking because I said, do you like the Yankees' hair policy? Five and a half thousand people voted. 62% like the hair policy. Did you say five and a half thousand people? Yeah, five point fifty five hundred people. Okay, why? I thought you meant five thousand and a half person. I'm, <laughs> I'm not hearing you. I'm not hearing you right today. My brain is not working great. I did have a Hanukkah party last night and it got lit, pun intended. But uh, no, yeah, five and a half thousand, five point five thousand. Okay, I got you. Five thousand five hundred. All right. Sixty two percent of those people like the facial 
like the Yankees hair policy. I figured we'd, we'd gotten to a point in time, like you and I are sitting here talking, we both have beards. We could not play for the New York Yankees for a number of reasons, one of them being our facial hair. Um, but that's not the reason I you figured, can't play for it, because you just have to do it. You just have to accommodate it. I feel like I, I, I figured we'd gotten to a point in society where people are over this kind of thing. And a lot of people commented saying, I don't like it, but... Or they said do, I, do, um, do I no. They they said I like it, but I wish that the Yankees allowed for um, like like properly manicured beards, not like these crazy. There's um, a gray area there. Who was that uh, closer from the Giants? Remember him? Oh um, yeah, I know who you're talking about. Or like how Jabba Chamberlain looked the last couple years of his career, looked Look, like a woolly mammoth, like a homeless guy. The yeah. um, oh, what the hell was his name? The uh, no, I mean, look, there are certain jobs where you have to look a certain way. It is what it is. And this is just one of them where you have to look a certain way. And if you want to work for that company or play for that team, it is just it is what it is. It's a, it's a, it's a so you like it. I, I yeah, it's fine. I, I don't have I think really, it's stupid. I think it's fine. Okay. They, you know, some things they do is tradition. It's like the pinstripe thing. Like people were all pissed off uh, at, at a tweet I sent out and I'm like. Uh, about the the Nike symbol, I'm really just talking about the branding. I'm not even talking about the the fact that it's on the jersey. But people don't realize nobody because I think there's two things. A lot of people are bitching about the the Nike um, swoosh on the jersey. The fact that it's there. Period. A lot of people are bitching about that. And the other per, the other half that are bitching are bitching about the the, the placement of said new Nike swoosh. Well, hmm. I'm looking at when I when I was looking at um, just pictures and I was looking back at like some of the team photos, the team issued photos for the actual New York Yankees. A couple years, a lot of the guys, most of the guys were wearing the uh, black undershirt or the navy undershirt with the swoosh in between uh, yeah. in the neck. And yeah. you know what? I, I understand that that's not part of the jersey itself, but it is part of the uniform. It's still part of the uniform itself. And it's front and center. It's right there, right in your face as much as you can. I think people just have a problem with it touching the pinstripes, period. Yeah, it looks weird, though, because not every home jersey has pinstripes. There's plenty of just plain white home jerseys, and, I, and I've seen pictures of it, and the Nike symbol looks less weird when it doesn't have pinstripes because from a, just from like an eyesore, eyesore type thing, it doesn't look good. I think that's what, pe that's what people have a problem with. Like it, it, doesn't, it no longer looks good because it's like crisscrossing with the symbol. But it's, it's also... I don't know. I don't really. I don't really believe that. Where that's, would you put it though? Where would, where would you put it? Like you're, you are, you design T-shirts. Where would you put it? Because I feel like it would look better on the sleeve. But the the whole point of the sleeve is that it's not front and center, so that they're not getting the same brand. It's look. still pretty front and center with um, baseball, considering you're always facing that way. So you got to put it on a left-handed or a right-handed batter, or, or if if a pitcher, like you could still see it on the sleeve pretty damn well. It's not. It's not the same. It's not as as on the front of the body where it's constantly going to be shown. How many times when they're running bases or when the camera's on them that you're seeing the front of the the, the person, yeah. when they're playing defense, the front of the person. It's always there. That's the obviously the, the the dominant side. As soon as the new era logo went on the hat, you knew this was coming. And everybody's talking about well, the next phase is get these advertisers and it's going to look like you know a Chinese yeah. basketball league. I mean, I don't know when it's NASCAR. If it comes People down gonna, to that, it's going to be like NASCAR on on your jersey. I don't know if it's going to come down to that or or when. I mean, you know, things trend in a way, and obviously, it's you look at what what it was thirty years ago, forty years ago. It's it's a hell of a lot further now um, as far as the logos, but it is still the manufacturer of the garment. That's it's not a separate sponsor. Basketball is throwing up separate sponsors now. They're putting them on the jerseys. 
Um, this one's I know still this would, the garment, like the, the manufacturer of the actual jersey. So it used to be on the never, bottom. Some of it would have been on the sleeve. Yeah. This would never happen. But would you accept product placement on the jersey if it took out like a minute of commercials? No, so because, game, I, no, because the, the time of the and, baseball game doesn't bother me, and when you're, especially when you're doing something small like that. So if that were the if that were the but if you could trim down fifteen plus minutes of every game just by eliminating commercial breaks, that's not the number one way that baseball I have, needs I, look, to look. I have to deal uh, the pace of play, but it it is and, and and it would never happen because the owners would just be like, well, let's keep the two minute commercials plus have the the jersey logos and make more money. Well, so I know it would never happen. I still think there's better ways to to condense it if you're looking at ways to do it. You can still do in game ads. On television, they've started doing those. I, well, they need to do more of that if that's the if that's what they want to do, and they want to shave some stuff off. I don't think it has really much to do with the actual, um, the commercial time as much. But the other thing is, um, when you're looking at the the jerseys themselves and and like getting getting down that road, it's it's inevitable. Like I I I have realized that in my life at this point, I, I deal with like I have to look at. It's it's impossible for me to look at something and and not. Um, like see if it's realistic or not, or have a an expectation of something and then uh, not not have that go into my mind with how I feel about what like the Nike swoosh. I, I fully expected it to to be on the jersey, fully expected it to be at a place where the brand is prominent. So you know that probably goes into the fact that it doesn't bother me because I expected it, and you know I, I I guess people who don't like it they just don't like it. Period, and fine, that's great. You you're entitled to your opinion. It just doesn't bother me. I'm not saying I. I like it. I don't like it, but it doesn't bother me. Yeah. Yeah. It's one of those things. That's just another, another thing for people to get mad online about. Yeah. I got, I got plenty of shit to get mad about. <laughs> I got, I got it's actual not going to be one to of them. Mad about. Some Yankees news to just run through. So the corresponding 40 man move for Garrett Cole was to DFA chance Adams. And he had been at one point, I want to say three years ago in the Yankees top 10 prospects. And Rising People, quickly. In two, 2017, if you remember, we did a lot of talk about are the Yankees going to call up Chance Adams and give him a shot in the starting rotation this year, meaning 2017, because the, the staff was struggling. Like that was a real thing for a couple years. And now here we are in 2000, after a couple years later, he's getting designated for assignment. I'd be shocked if no one picks him up. Yeah, I mean, he flew through the system when he, when he uh, switched over. He came out of college as a reliever and uh, and then started working with the Yankees and, and became a starting pitcher but he when he when he made that change too like he excelled quickly through the the minor league system so I think people saw what it was but he definitely got the triple a and you started seeing some warts you started seeing the control issues that are that are a lot more prevalent um, you know you have more patient batters the, the the stuff wasn't playing as well so I, I think that um, there's still potential that there was some there was a lot of like chirping too once, um, once Matt Blake, I feel like I want to screw up his name on purpose every time I say it, actually, <laughs> because of Joel Sherman. But uh, when it's Matt, almost too easy of a name that it's easy to mess up. Yeah. Um, when uh, when he got hired, there were a lot of people talking about Chance Adams could be one of those guys that could really benefit from a guy yeah, like Blake, Blake. Could find something in his delivery or well, his or spin rate. His spin rate's good. His spin rate is good, yeah. so that he could find something to to really make him flourish. So I don't. He maybe he's not gone. Maybe the, he ends up back with the Yankees. I, I'd be surprised too if he if he took an assignment and wasn't wasn't uh, wasn't claimed. But um, 
but yeah, I was surprised when I saw that because of all the all the chirping. I usually when there's chirping like that, you start seeing uh, you see something about it, or you know maybe it's like somebody leaked that that was a topic of conversation at one point. I don't know, but I was surprised. Well, I- I expected him, along with Michael King and Luis Sessa, to be sort of in that sixth, seventh starter depth piece for this year. Sessa's proved a hell of a lot more than Chance Adams. Okay, he's in the same, but in that sort of, in that group of guys, I'm not saying he'd get the shot over Sessa. I think Sessa's going to be on the 26-man roster in the bullpen, and if they need a spot, start him, but... I don't know. I just I, I saw I saw Adams as as a guy that could get a couple starts for one reason or another. You got a doubleheader to play. This guy's on the IL for tw- fifteen days. You know, just maybe of random I, scenarios. But the thing is, is that what Chance Adams showed he opened, last year? He did. He did a couple. Um, yeah. He came in in relief to be the bridge. What, what, I'm already forgetting what it's called. Uh, let's forget it forever. I'm not even going to tell you because I don't want to. I don't want. <laughs> I don't want it to that? stick. I don't want it. I don't want any opener scenarios to stick. No, the opener. What was the guy that came in after the opener? What did they call him? Um, the, I don't know. The, the the next reliever that came in after the opener. I'm not. I'm okay. sick of all these names. I'm not even going to justify it. Yeah. Look, the thing is, is that he sh- he definitely showed uh, that that those command issues weren't weren't gone. Like he wasn't really improving like they wanted him to improve. I think and. I, he was nothing special when he came up to the major leagues. Like he was getting shelled left and right. So it, His, it, you can he had one. You can add guys start. in there. You can add guys in there. He played. He pitched well in relief one day. Um, Do you remember that Boston start? It was against though? Boston. Yeah. Was it a start or relief where he pitched like five innings and did pretty? I think well. it was in and relief. Was like oh maybe this is gonna be, this is gonna be something to get him going, and it just never happened. If I remember correctly, I think it was in that uh, Nestor Cortez role where he came in second yeah. and and just he ate. Well, it was also a gutsy. No, I they, thought it was 2018. That they he needed uh, he, he needed they needed a performance out of a, a guy like that to eat some innings, and he came in and did it. But overall, wasn't what they expected. So, yeah, yeah. And there's some other rumors that the Yankees are looking for infield flexibility. Flexibility, and I know we have a mailbag question about this. Joe Panic has been mentioned. Brandon Belt has been re- uh, mentioned. These are left-handed hitting infielders. Belt's a first baseman. Um, Panic's that, a second baseman, though, right? Yeah, so he would sort of be the... Yeah, he would allow... I don't LeMahieu, understand that. Well, he would allow LeMahieu to go play third base or first base if he needs to. This doesn't make sense to me. So when we're looking at... And why don't we read the mailbag now, actually? Because it, let's, this, is, this is the conversation. When you're, yeah, looking at, when you're looking at what's currently on the roster, uh, obviously things can change with trades, which I still think there's gonna, a, a trade or two is going to happen because the way that the roster is shaping out just doesn't make a lot of sense. Andujar plays third base. Andujar theoretically could play first base. You have um, <laughs> LeMahieu, LeMahieu, LeMahieu playing uh, first base, second base, third base, Geo starting third base, right? And said he could play second base. Okay, fine. Second base. There's one guy for shortstop. One. So why would you bring in another guy that could play second base? So the question is from Rob. Everyone keeps talking about the infield flexibility we have, but God forbid Glaber gets injured next year. What is our shortstop coverage? Do we think Tyler Wade could step up or is he a better option to shift? Or is it a better option to shift DJ or Geo around the infield? And you just said, what's the guy? It's shortstop is really the... The issue that you don't we don't have a backup shortstop other than Tyler Wade currently in the organization is Tyler is a Wade. good defensive player a very good no he's not just a good he's a very good defensive player so Wade was called up 
he bounced around last year, but he was called up on August 21st last year and stayed up for the remainder of the season. In that time, he played in 22 games and he started 12 games and he had 47 plate appearances and he slashed 279, 340, 465. And that's in sporadic playing time, 279, 340. The number I'm looking at is 340, 340 on base percentage. If Tyler Wade can get on base 34% of the time in a sporadic utility type role with his speed, that is, that is really good. That that is very useful if he can do that. Absolutely, and he plays a hell of a def- uh, he has a, a good glove that not only can play shortstop but it can play every single infield spot. Probably put him at first if needed to, but probably don't need to. And he can go shift out to the outfield and play any position in the outfield. So, you know, I've been touting this. For, if you if if you're a listener of the show for a while, you know I've been on the Tyler Wade band. Uh, bandwagon for a while because of the flexibility because of the player and and you know for me in the beginning of last season when the argument was well he can't he can't add anything to this team with his offense like nothing offensively is helping and my answer to that was I didn't care that's not his role his role at that point if you're the last guy on the bench is to add that flexibility on the defensive side to be able to go in there and uh, swipe a base if need be and you know maybe lay down a bunt things like that like it, I'm not looking for a lot of offense out of that guy. And now the fact that you we came up or he came up uh, um, at the end of last year, and and had you know a very good offensive showing, much better than he ever has in oh, the major God, leagues. Oh God, that's night and day. Yeah. He was completely overmatched for most of the most of his at bats prior to that last call up. If this is where we always said, okay, yeah, you can live with like average offense, but just don't be a complete black hole in the lineup where he couldn't get on base. If he if, if this is progression if if this is player progression and he's learned how to um, you know tailor his game because he's always been a good minor league player and he's always hit in the minor leagues too if he is yeah. able to tailor so his game rumor, it's been like oh he's a quad A player yeah but every only on offense everywhere else he's been fine yeah. because if you um, and there's other facets of the game besides offense a lot of people don't freaking care yeah, about but that. that's the that's the but defense this team defense does this team this team scores a lot of runs. <laughs> There, there's, there's an absolute value for run prevention and, and some of the small stuff that some of this team does not know how to do. Point so, being is if he, if this is actual progression and this is him adjusting to a new role and the role that he now knows he's going to be in, where he's going to be coming off the bench playing sporadically and he can actually perform offensively in that role in the in the major leagues as well, he's an extremely valuable player on this team and absolutely would be the backup uh, shortstop at that point to me and then be able to float all over the place. Joe Panic had 461 plate appearances in 2019 with Sam Fran and the Mets. He hit 244, 315, 336. That's a 76 WRC plus. Do you think if Tyler Wade got 400 plus plate appearances, he would do better than a 76 WRC plus, which is about it's 24 percent below league average? Yeah. Again, if if we're looking at what he did in, at the end of last year as as progression, as player progression, maturation from a player, being able to adjust his game to what his situation is on the team, because I think that's a big deal, then yes, of course I do. I think he could do that. And yeah. he's a much better defensive player. And he's a well, much better Well, I don't know if he's runner. much better. So Panic, yes, he, Panic has won a gold glove in the past. But, but, but Tyler Wade plays five positions. And Tyler Wade is on your roster already, and he's league minimum. And he's how much old? How old is Panic? 32? 33? Uh, yeah. Tyler Wade's what? 25? 26? 27? I mean, 20, yeah. Mid 20s? Uh, 30, Joe Panic. Okay. So five so, years younger than him, give or take. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it is kind of interesting. These rumors, I don't know if it's. 
how true these rumors are but about the Yankees looking for a left-handed bat. Uh, it, Joe Panic, you're not going to be getting him because he's a left-handed bat. He's not a good offensive player, so who gives a shit if he hits left-handed? I don't want him hitting. That's you know the, what I mean? That's the type of guy. The guy that you <laughs> add in that place, wherever that place that person is, whether it's coming from internally at, you know, uh, and, and winning the job in spring or you bring in somebody who wins that job, that person has to fit. That ha- person has to be a cog in the machine. And if you're not a cog in the machine and you don't fit in multiple places and you're able to help out, uh, then I, I don't know what use you have. You're, you're, you're now handcuffing us as a guy. On, we already have two, you know, uh, we have a log jam at first base, it, Luke Voigt and then whomever else. Who, these guys can't play anywhere else. So why would we bring in a guy that really just primarily plays second base when we have one, two, three people that can play second base right now? Four, Tyler Wade. And if, it, if you get into a scenario... And I don't know how often this comes up in the regular season, but let's just like play down the road to the 2020 playoffs and you want to go super defense in the infield because it's the eighth inning and you've got a one run lead. You could, in theory, put Tyler Wade at second base and move DJ to first base if you want to pull Voight because he's not a good defender. Sure. So. Sure. I mean, yeah, you could do that. You could absolutely you could put, you could put Tyler Wade at short. You could put Glaber at second. You can do a number of things. You, well, gla- key, yeah. The, the key is, is it adds flexibility. And uh, Kratz, Eric Kratz is back with the Yankees. The Yankees signed him to a minor league deal. He's been in the Yankees system before. Um, I know Martin Maldonado was was rumored because of the Cole connection, but he signed a two-year, $7 million deal with the Astros. The Yankees were never going to spend that much money on a backup catcher, um, especially when it seems like they, they like Higgy. We got pretty in-depth about Higgy on the last episode. But this Kratz move is complete insurance for 40-man roster. Kratz is a very good receiver of the ball. He's got that reputation. He's 39 years old, I think. Yeah, he's going to be 40 next season. Yeah, so he's, he's one of those guys that is, um, you know, he's been around the block, obviously. He's been with the Yankees. Uh, there's nothing there offensively. He's a guy that can handle the staff fine. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think he's like another, you're adding like another coach on the field type guy. Um, so it's, it is absolutely an insurance move in case Higgy is no good. And, and they've been talking about Higgy a lot this week, too, uh, yeah. uh, about building him up. And, and well, he's the guy that they're going to give a shot to. And they're excited All of the guys him. with information are tweeting that the job is basically his. Yes. They're, they're not, they haven't said that, but that what they've said is they've with Higgy, Cashman is pretty with much Higgy at backup catcher. So it's sort of like it's an assumption or it's a known assumption within the organization, within the people who know what's going on there, that Higgy is going to be the backup to start. Whether the actual words came out of Brian Cashman's mouth, he essentially has said it. Matt Kraus was the strength coach, and he was fired after six years with the team. How do you think that conversation went? <laughs> you, you see, do you see how many people hit the IL? It's like you go in for your, your annual review. Just, just buy. Right? Because uh, it's December. It's annual review time. I'm sure anyone out there in a corporate job has, has gotten, uh, gotten that meeting put on their calendar. They have to do their self-assessment. What do you think Kraus? How do you think Kraus assessed his performance over the past year? It's like, no shit, you're getting fired, dude. Like the thing that the thing that that you know I've talked about in the past too is like I don't think one guy is responsible for all this stuff. Obviously, of course not. But, but there needs to be there needs to be a system of balances, uh, checks and balances, and what these guys are doing in the off season. I think more just making sure that they are doing the appropriate appropriate things that they need to be doing because everybody goes goes off and does their own thing with their own guys and uh and they're all working on you know 
probably different tactics, different strategies in order to stay limber and healthy and strong and all these things and eat well and whatever. So, you know, I don't, I don't know how they are or how fast they're going to be doing this. I would hope relatively quickly so everybody can get on the same page. Seems like it's a little late to do that, honestly. Like I would have already wanted this plan in, in place with some of these guys. So, you know, maybe there's somebody internally that's going to take it over, which again, also a little head scratching because now it's kind of the same system. But um, I think the system is flawed personally. Like the system is flawed and they need to figure well, that out. I mean, you had 39 players or 30 players make 39 different IL stints last year. And it, it, it was, I mean, such a glaring issue on the team. The whole thing needs to be looked at. The Yankees would not be doing their job. Brian Cashman and the, the management would not be doing their job if they did not reassess and try and do better at that portion of the team because it's clearly a weakness. Like, it, how, how could you not change the system? It's not working. It didn't work last year. They had guys go down, and they didn't get healthy. Like, change it. Yeah, no. It's I don't weird. know what the answer is, but it's not what they did. I don't know. I don't. I, I don't have the answer for it. I don't, I don't know what yeah. to tell you. Just how about we stretch more? Don't, yeah, don't, that's no important. More, how about no more, no more uh, soft tissue injuries? Stretch, stretch before you get on those long cross country flights in those cramped seats. And and let's, professional let's, athletes. Let's improve the the um the flying situation. Get some pods. Let's go. You think it's weightlifting? Could be the pods. I don't think there's an answer to this. Honestly, there's so many no, different you think injuries. Weightlifting. You think weightlifting? Because a lot of people, a lot of old players have said that there's more injuries in baseball because of their weight lifting habits. I mean, maybe, I mean, you look back. In-season weightlifting habits. Look, if you, the, all I know is you look back in the day at some of the guys that, that used to play baseball and none of them lifted weights. They all were just like country strong. They wouldn't lift during the season. A lot, the majority of them. Yeah, I think they would they lift would not, They wouldn't season, lift weights. But not. not very much. A lot of them didn't lift weights. A lot of them were real. Like Joe DiMaggio, did he ever pick up a freaking weight in his life? Yeah. I don't think so. Doesn't really look like it. The guy was just uh, naturally talented, had a limber like a, if you, a physique to go. If you believe Pete Rose, he lifted a weight every day. Okay. Uh, you don't know. I'm, I'm picking about. down what you're – yeah, I understand. All right. You ready to get into some mailbag questions? We have a few good questions, and I think they're going to be taking a little while because there's some – there's some doozies in here. First one is from Robin Lett, who has submitted before. He says, hey, guys, it's now been three and a half years since Aaron Judge came up, and he's yet to have his first walk-off moment. Not necessarily a big deal, right? Obviously, you've got to be in the right place at the right time. But Judge has a career average of 196 in the ninth inning and 095 in extra innings. This is 50 points lower than any other inning, which, he, which led me to ask the question, does the great man lack a, quote, clutch gene? So I opened up email and I saw this email and I got a big smile on my face because it was, I think this was sent on the day that Garrett Cole press conference and we're getting is Aaron judge clutch emails. Beautiful. <laughs> Look, yeah, he's clutch. <laughs> I love him. I love him. He's clutch. I, <laughs> I trust in him fully. Um, you know, look, I, there's there's just so many things you could say about this. I know we have the numbers to to talk about what he is, and well, I actually first want to ask you, what do you consider clutch? You, I know you, even though you're 
I am more st- statistically, you know, new age statistics than you are, but I still believe in clutch. But I'm curious what you think clutch is. What do you consider clutch? Um, in a big moment, in a pressure situation, coming through for the team in a big moment. It's it's doing but your job. Don't you job agree that can moment. be a little random? Right, it, it is random. It absolutely is random. But you start looking at, like, for instance, Didi would. It's seemingly in these big moments when the team was down and out, or we needed something, uh, in in a in a big playoff situation, he would come up and, and and knock it out. But were there times that he failed? Yes, there are definitely times that he failed. So when you're looking at the clutch gene and we're looking at the people who are clutch and the guys that do those have those big hits, do you just remember those and not remember the other times? Probably. There's a, probably an element well, of that. Well, Didi as well. did have big playoff home runs, to the 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 wild card home run against the Twins, the grand slam this past season against the Twins, and the two homers off of Corey Kluber. But if you look at his postseason statistics, they're worse than his regular season statistics. Yeah. So, did he just was he just clutching those specific at bats when the Yankees needed him to hit a home run? Or was it just he happened to come through then and just like it's going to even out? In well, the see, that's the thing. Because here's what I'm getting at. Clutch to me does not mean that you hit 400 with runners in scoring position because that's that's not sustainable if you're not a 400 hitter and no one is a 400 hitter. So clutch to me is you perform the same when there's high pressure as when there's no pressure. That's How is that clutch? Because you don't let pressure affect your game. You perform the same that you're you're always going to perform to your true talent. That's called consistent. Okay, but there's so many players. Clutch is specifically talking about a a big moment. Clutch is not the low. I've done. I've I've read a lot about from like uh, all these stat nerds saying how clutch isn't real and it's all just random and blah blah blah. And I don't agree with the fact that it's not real, but I do agree with the fact that it's random. So because it is random. You're not you can't just look at 10 at bats with runners in scoring position to determine if a guy is clutch or not or you can't just look at one postseason series to decide if a guy is clutch is not. So, when there's high leverage situations and pressure is on, over the course of a larger sample, are your numbers going to look the same as they do as they always are? Derek Jeter in the playoffs in his career, which was a huge sample, hit pretty much the exact same slash line as he did in the regular season in his career. To me that's clutch. Derek Jeter was always going to be Derek Jeter, whether there's no pressure, whether there's high pressure, whether it's spring training, whether it's the World Series. He was going to be the same Derek Jeter. There's too many players who, when the moment is big, are nowhere to be found. But in the regular season, they're going to put up 45 home runs. Right. So I think clutch and could work in the opposite way. To me, that's the same. It's a negative. But it doesn't. That's not what it is. Why? How are you? Possi- to me, how are you? Possibly- I had a, I had an epiphany. This how do week. you possibly make clutch negative? I don't really. That this this is this is a new level for you of of going to a negativity on something that's absolutely. Uh, no, it when, can when it, people it can think bring players down. Clutch when, moments can bring players down. What? I don't understand what you're saying. Look, a clutch to- moment is high pressure. Yes, and that can get that's to it. people. There's a human element in baseball. That's the whole right? point of it. That's, if you're a 300 hitter, that's okay, the whole point of being clutch. Hitter. Is that moment you do well, you succeed in that moment. That's it. Let me ask you. There's a question. no. There's no. You're either clutch or you're not clutch. That's the point. If you're a 300 career regular season hitter, okay. I don't care and about then, the regular. None of that matters. Uh, let me let me ask the question. But that you're doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. None of that matters. That's the you're whole point th- of it. 
Can I just ask the question? No, I don't want you to. <clears throat> the whole point of the regular season in a clutch moment means nothing. Everything Why? else. There's high leverage situations in the regular season. High leverage, but I'm talking about the numbers over a longer period of time. The clutch moments are specific moments in time when the pressure's high and these guys are seemingly able to keep their heart rate at a at a even keel. And yeah, maybe to perform how they normally do. Not they, perform better than they normally do. That's not true. That can happen. There are there are people who don't perform well over a long period of time. There might be two thirty hitters that come in and are able to lock it down in a big moment. And, and hit 300. You're a 230 career hitter, but in hit- a clutch moment, you're hitting 300. Again, I'm not looking at batting average in that moment. I'm looking for the big moments and what you're okay, doing. I'm using batting average as a, a way to just say you're coming through more than you normally do. In a clutch moment, you succeed a greater percentage of the time than you do in a non-clutch moment. To you, that's clutch? Because to me, that's random. Say that again, because I don't understand what you just said. Say it again. I'm using batting average as just a way to say it's a percentage of time you come through, right? So you come through at a greater percentage of time. So let's just use batting average as an example. In those moments, in those big moments. You hit 300 in those big moments, but your career batting average in the regular season is 230. Okay. You're calling that player clutch. Yes. Okay. I'm I'm probably saying that going forward from that moment forward you're not you should not expect that player to continue to come through at a 300 per, at a 30% rate in those quote clutch moments. Right, because you're a nerd He's probably and you're just expecting come, him to come down to earth because of of, of because of of math. Yeah. Right. But if you're a 300 hitter in the regular season and you in clutch moments hit 300 or about 300, you're to me that is famer. clutch. <laughs> to me that is clutch. That's a Hall of Famer. That's a, that's a that's a consistent damn good player. And maybe yeah, that guy and, and the, and the guy argument here is like, clutch. okay, if you're a 200 hitter and then in clutch moments you hit 200, are you clutch? No, no. you're just a shitty baseball player. Yeah, but exactly. if, if 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 clutch can if clutch elevates your game, then more power to you. That's probably not going to happen. But if in clutch moments you're the same guy as you always are, to me that's clutch. That's why I think Derek Jeter was a clutch player. And so you want to get to Aaron Judge's numbers now? <laughs> oh, my God. I can't even. We're I saying can't even. I, this is another example. I think people are going to say, you two morons are saying the same we're thing. Not, I, don't, different I don't even know you're what saying you're saying. It, you're saying we're saying the same thing. Listen, no, you're no. saying it in the old school eye test way. No. I'm saying it in the new school statistics way no we're saying the same thing no we're not because you're talking about a player being consistent throughout uh, and that being clutch what i'm saying is i don't care what they've done in the past in a moment in a big moment when the pressure is on when there are fifty thousand people screaming in their faces i don't care what they've done if they can perform in a moment like that more times than not then i can deem you clutch and that's how i deem dd that's it uh, that's all i care about i don't care about what they've done in the past in that moment for a person to be clutch that's mm-hmm. it so for Aaron Judge and even Robin in his email, you can kind of tell he doesn't really buy these batting average batting averages in these situations because they're small samples. 118 players. That's the problem. The that you can't inning. find a big sample size for these clutch moments unless you're looking at a guy like Derek Jeter who's in the postseason every single year and went deep all the time. 28 plate appearances in extra innings. Just throw that out. That's nothing. Right. But in high leverage situations, Aaron Judge in his career, 134 plate appearances, a little bit bigger sample, 117 WRC plus, so 17% better than league average. Not not fantastic by any by any means, but still better than league average. 
and career men in scoring position, which a lot of people call clutch, even though you can have bases loaded in a 10-run game. So that's not really a clutch situation. That's why you can't look at the stats and you have to look at what the moments were. Okay, but men in scoring position, 405 plate appearances and a 133 WRC+. 33% better than league You just gave the exact reason why you can't always look at stats when you're talking about a person who was clutch. you got to look at what they've done in that situation. You can still look at stats, but you have to take them in context. So I'm giving some context to these stats. All right, don't look at any stats. Is DJ LeMahieu clutch? Uh, Yeah, because I'm confident. You're you're goddamn right he is. Because I'm confident that DJ LeMahieu, in a, quote, clutch moment, is going to perform the way that DJ LeMahieu always performs, which is a good baseball player. (laughs) So, what's your verdict on Aaron Judge? Clutch or not clutch? Or is the verdict still out? Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, will will Aaron I'll judge his this. career? This is a different question. I trust, will Aaron I trust judge's him. career. Will Aaron judge's career and how we look at him ultimately depend on performing better than he has in the playoffs to date? Because he's not had great playoffs. He did pretty good against the Red Sox in the 2018 playoffs, but that was just one series, and the Yankees lost. 2017 playoff run, 2019 playoff run. Aaron Judge was not good. He struck out a ton. Look, I. I I do think we need more sample size. We need to see him in in the. Um, uh, I, first of all, I want that man to be healthy and to be in the playoffs and to be in those moments so that we can there because I trust him. I do trust him in moments like that. I do believe that he's going to. And maybe it's just because I have a um, uh, an, a ton of confidence on a guy like Aaron Judge. He just hasn't given me much to. Um, he hasn't given you the side that that A Rod did, where he would just go through long streaks of just sucking in the postseason. You, you don't. I don't see that from a guy like Aaron Judge. My, uh, Mike Stanton, Giancarlo Stanton is a guy that has not succeeded in in moments. And when you're looking at that, you don't have the confidence that he's going to come through in a clutch moments. Aaron Judge has never given me that that thought that 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 feeling. So that's that's what I'll say about about Aaron Judge. He's he's had some big hits. Yeah, and A Rod had that one great playoff run. But I'm not going to give you. You're not going to like his career high leverage, low leverage, medium leverage statistics. So. I'm almost afraid to give them to you because it, it does not support your narrative. Okay, let's move on to out of left field. We're going we're gonna to skip over a few mailbags, but don't worry. We will get to them on the next episode or an episode in the near future. Find that out. And Sanchez destroys that to left field. There it goes. Deep to left. Really deep. In the air to left field. Back at the track at the wall. We are tied. I pissed on a public building. Yeah. Scott. You ready for out of left field? Out of left field. So let me uh, let me like jock my memory of of what I was bitching about earlier. Okay, so I remember what it was. We had the snapbacks that uh, that that I designed and were kind of like a little pet project of mine, a little my my baby. These snapbacks, I've uh, put a lot of time and effort into them. We we customized them. They look great, um, and they sold out. Everybody's getting them today, Monday. When you're listening, the majority of the play, uh, people are, are they're delivering today. So I'm excited for them to get in everybody's hands. The conversation on the the back end, this was on Instagram, Carl, who's my arch nemesis, who if you have just listened to the show or, or you've listened for a while, if you need a refresh, Carl's the guy that uh, I made a bet with about Sonny Gray a couple years back, uh, about 20 game winner, blah, 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 blah. Nobody needs to remember the details about that. I will be shotgunning a beer at the Red Sox game in front of everybody declaring Sonny Gray my daddy. That was the end of it. Now, okay. this conversation went to him uh, on the back end, bitching that it's not going to be a fitted hat. I was like, you know what, Carl? 
first first of all first of all if you make a custom fitted hat in, a, in an operation like we have every one of us all have full-time jobs we 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 do this as like a passion play we do we spend a lot of time on this do you know how much inventory you have to hold if you're doing <laughs> fitted hats for everybody? Everyone has a different size head. There's like a thousand yeah. different size hats. Seven and three quarters, seven and five eighths, yeah. seven and whatever. On a logistic side, impossible. Just nightmare. It, it's not going to happen. I'm not, I'm not doing. Uh, I'm not holding that much inventory. It's just not going to happen. Okay, so that's that's number one. So now we're talking about snapbacks and fitted hats. And I've always been a snapback guy. And I think snapbacks are like, you know, kind of like the Jordans. There's like a, a there's like a um, a part of culture that loves snapback hats, like uh, uh, people that love snapback hats. I think the same people. There's some like you have some sneakerheads. You have people that get into like little niches of of um, of certain areas uh, of culture and fashion and whatever, and and you know just um, uh, the street culture, if you will. Snapbacks, I think, are in that moment. I've always worn snapbacks my entire life. I love them. I've been wearing them since like elementary school, so it's always been a thing. Uh, I used to wear the game hats all the time. Remember the game the with the little G on the back? That was the inspiration for the BP being in the, the location that it currently is. Yeah. Um, the green underbill, again, a throwback to those hats I used to wear in middle school. And he's talk, talking about fitted hats. So I started going on this whole tangent about fitted hats versus snapback hats. And he's a fitted guy. He doesn't like snapbacks. And I, this so my we had to get into this whole thing about snapbacks and why they're better. And my big thing with fitted hats that I don't like Okay, and this became a little bit of a festivist rant is that fitted hats. I like to wear a hat forward and I like to wear a hat backwards. And if I have a fitted hat, I like to have a nice tight fit going forward. And when I wear my hat backwards, it's got to be a little looser. I don't know. My hat, my head doesn't change sizes. It, it's, no, it's but, the way I wear it. It's the way it's fitted a little bit in the, in the shape of the hat with the, um, you know, with the uh, uh, the crown on the front. All of these depend the circumference of the of the uh, the headband. A lot of things play into it. But when I wear a hat backwards, I wear it a little lower, so it's actually going just above my eyebrows, which I think is a, a larger diameter than on the top, and it doesn't fit right. So now I'm I'm walking around with a fitted hat that fits great forward, but when I put it on backwards, my head is like I get a headache, I get hot, it's tight, I don't like it. There's creases all over my head, and there the other thing. Fitted hats, wool or acrylic. You're not going to find a cotton fitted hat, are you? Yeah, they're so hot. They it's will shrink. Just sweat. So it's middle of winter and you'll sweat. In it. You will sweat all the time. So you want to go to Yankee Stadium wearing a freaking I, I, and everybody does it. Going, I, I don't understand it. I sweat like a you pig. The Yankee fitted. I sweat like a pig. Period. When I'm when I eat cinnamon gum, Indian food, uh, hot day out, cinnamon I sweat. Gum. Yeah, yeah. I, I get a little brow sweat. I sweat. It's in my it's in my jeans. Uh, my father was a sweater. I was a sweater. My, my father's father was a sweater. But the thing is, the snapback hat gives you that custom ability, that customization, the ability to go one snap bigger, one snap smaller, and make it fit my head. And you know what? There's always a vent. Always. And it's yeah, cotton. because that's it it's a built-in air conditioner. The uh, it's amazing. So to me, there's no question, no question that snapbacks are by far superior. Two fitted hats. I'm going to put out, I'm going to tweet out a poll right now from at Yankees podcast. It's going to say, what do you prefer fitted or snapbacks? And we'll see what the masses say, but it is amazing. I think you will get the majority of people saying fitted hats. Okay. We'll see. It is amazing what people will argue about. Just take a stance on. 
<laughs> it's like his black. It's, everything's black or white on Twitter. There's no gray area. I'm gonna read this conversation quickly with Carl in the back and how it, how it eventually went down. Cause I got I got tired of trying to explain myself over a DM. So I was like, this is now a podcast. This is now a segment on the podcast. Um, so let me find it first. But yeah, it's a uh, it, it's definitely one of those things that you should have an opinion on because if you're a hat guy, it's a big deal and it's and it makes a big difference on how you how you wear the hat and uh, and how it fits and how it feels. So. Uh, snap talk back talk about word. something while I find this. Snap back one word. That's a debate too, actually. I've seen I it both ways. It and I typed it, uh, typed it um, two words. So I, I don't want to get yelled at on Twitter. But it, yeah, I, I I'm actually, a, I'm I'll, a snap. I'll even make the the um, the capital B uh, the B capital. Just to... do you know how? Okay, no, that's weird. Do you uh, you were saying? Oh, my my head doesn't change sizes, but th- there'll be sometimes I'll put on my snap my snapback. And whatever setting I had it on before, I'm like, ah, oh, this just feels tight today for whatever reason. So I'll loosen it up. Some days I like it, like it a little looser. Some days I like it a little tighter. Can't do that with a fitted hat. So I put you out, like a, the, I put out an Instagram like the flexibility. Uh, yeah, and they ha- and that's why they, ha- they the flex fit exists as well. And to me, that one doesn't fit my head as like if it's fitted not, with an early lead, Scott. It it fits it fits well um, backwards, but it doesn't fit well forward. Personal preference here. All right, so the, the conversation started uh, with him replying to an Instagram story that I put out talking about the snap ha- the snapbacks that they were existing. He said, what about a profit? I said, snapback, baby. I am messing with all that inventory for different sizes. He said, that's silly. Well, you know what, Carl? Plus, uh, I said, plus, never been a... Fit- <laughs> you said Carl with such disdain and anger. <laughs> never, Carl. Been, never been a fitted guy. Snapbacks are king. Carl, I'm the opposite. I said, shocking, shocking, Carl. Fitted hats look cleaner and more professional uh, you don't see pros with snapbacks on. I said, Carl, you are not a pro. <laughs> and uh, honestly, uh, jokes aside, the inventory is daunting with the fitted snapbacks. Uh, have a good following uh, that I am part of. Purely selfish reasons. I designed the hat. I made the hat. I wanted a snapback. Um, plus fitted hats. They either fit well backwards or forward. Never both. And I've always hated that. Plus, again, the, the, the wool acrylic and cotton thing, you know, that's just, that was the conversation. And that's what set this off. So, um, mm. Yeah, I want to know who my who my brothers are and the, my snapback brothers. Yeah, I'm not, I put I'm not worried the, about the fitted people. Yeah, if you if you have an opinion on this, which I'm sure you do, because that's the internet today, go vote on the on the Yankees podcast poll: snapback or fitted. I would vote snapback. You would vote snapback. But fitted is currently leading after like I expect votes. I expect fitted to win. Doesn't make it right though. Nope, doesn't. Not going to change my mind. All I'm right, that's going to. Change my mind. Ain't going to happen. That's going to do it for this episode. Thank you guys for the mailbag questions. We're going to get to some questions. I skipped over one from Tim and then one from Steph as well, who asked a really interesting question about uh, sort of constructing a statistical lineup, which is going to take a while, and we got to run. So we'll get into that in in an episode or two down the road. Any last words? No, I hope everybody has a Merry Christmas, a, uh, like you said in the beginning, a Happy Festivus, a Happy Hanukkah. All of the above. I think everybody should be uh, celebrating with their family and friends and all that. Having drinking some good drinks, making plans to come to some BP Crew events. Spring yes, training let's is run down spring those training is sold, is sold out uh, at, at this point. Hundred and eighty-seven people going to spring training. Crazy. I mean, just quick aside, that's friggin' awesome. It like, is awesome. Everyone who has bought a ticket, thank you guys. We Scott and I went down to spring training for the first time five years ago, and it was just the two of us. And five years later, we can get 187 people to come to a spring training event. And I know they're not 
there for us specifically but the community of the bp crew has grown so much and like not everyone lives in tampa a lot of people are flying in for the weekend yeah it's gonna be so much fun march 14th gonna be fun then good times then uh quickly the regular season event saturday may 9th against the red sox saturday june 13th trenton thunder event friday june 26th against the cubs saturday july 25th against the red sox saturday august 22nd against the blue jays Mark those calendar. Yeah. Mark those dates in your calendars. Talk it up with the family. Get the uh, get the, get the crew going, and let's let's add to this because the other thing for just keep keep your eye on the prize. We just got Garrett Cole. Um, what is it now? World Series or bust. The one thing that we're going to be doing with the BP crew. The beautiful thing is that we get these tickets during the, the regular season. It allows us to um, to obtain tickets for the playoffs and cost control them for people so that you know people can actually go out and enjoy the game and not spend uh, it's still an insane amount of money but not crazy like like we saw uh, we can get some significant discounts uh, if we all do this thing together and it's working really well so big uh, big incentive at the end of the year and they're only going to be people people this year i guarantee they'll all be sold out that sweet happy holidays everybody we'll talk to you in a few days Hey guys, thanks for listening to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. Make sure you find us on iTunes and subscribe so you can get all new episodes directly onto your phone. If you do like the show, we'd love for you to take a minute and give us a five-star rating and review in iTunes. It really helps us out and allows us to create more shows. We're on Twitter at Bronx Pinstripes and the same on Facebook. You can always find us there talking Yankee baseball. Thanks again, guys, for your support. Really appreciate it. And go Yankees.